Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Crystal was the first restaurant that I remember ever seeing young people sitting in booths by themselves without their parents. My sisters and I could go there and all five of us eat hamburgers and get a Coke for just a couple of dollars. (laughs) At that time, I think the hamburgers were 10 cents. One of my favorite things to do was to sit on the red top bar stools and just spin and spin and spin. I loved that time with just our sisters. Before that, I'd never been to a restaurant without my parents. And most of the time, our grandparents were with us too. It was an incredible event to me that just the five of us could go by ourselves. I never thought about parents not being there could actually be putting us in danger. Y'all, I don't often get to talk to somebody that is a Fulbright scholar. And I have never talked to one that was a two-time recipient. I didn't even know that was possible. I thought if you got the Fulbright scholarship, that was enough to ride your career. I didn't know you could get a second one. So from now on, if anybody ever asked me If I had a Fulbright scholarship, I'm going to say no, because Ron Chipsick took mine. (laughs) He took my turn. (laughs) But y'all, we have Ron Chipsick with us. He is an author. He's written 45 books. He's written screenplays. He's written movies. He is a black belt in Taekwondo. He studied right here in Atlanta at Clark Atlanta University. He is a producer, a journalist, a screenwriter, an author. He wrote the book, Bad Henry, and he also wrote The Murderous Rampage of the Taco Bell Strangler. And tonight, it is my pleasure to welcome Ron Chipsick here. Ron, welcome to Zone 7. Thank you, Cheryl. I appreciate it very much. Um, you, you cannot get to... Uh, Fulbrights. You can't, you can't get more than two Fulbrights. Can't get more than two. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Uh, I know one guy, I, I have a f- friend that's English professor that got three of them. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they did away with that about 15 years ago. So um, I'm one of the, I guess one of the last ones to get a, a two-time uh, Fulbright scholarship. You know, it's one of those things where when you hear Fulbright scholar, 
I mean, that kind of stops you in your tracks anyway, because now it's like, okay, I'm dealing with somebody that, you know, might be right here in the education line. But then when you hear two and you hear about the two different countries that you are at, you know, Ireland and Indonesia, and then your work and then your whole body of work, it is shocking to me that you did not start writing earlier in your life. I didn't really uh, sell anything until I was uh, 35 on that and didn't really start writing. I, and I, saw, I, I published my first book when I was about 40 <laughs> on that. So, um, yeah, it was uh, quite amazing. When, when I was uh, young, I wanted to be a writer. I really did. But um, I didn't see any point in broadcasting it if I wasn't doing any writing because I knew enough people that said they were writers but they never wrote anything. <laughs> on that, and I and I promised myself that I would never be like that. I said I, I would uh, uh, commit myself, you know, to the craft if I ever decided to do it. And what happened was I was on the sabbatical, the first one from my university where I was um, uh, teaching in Ireland, and I, I was studying at the National University of Ireland. And uh, for some reason, one day I decided I wanted to write. I, you know, I just woke up and I wanted to be a writer. And I said, "What well, I'm going to write?" And I there's this um, library there. Uh, Chester uh, Chester Beatty Library is started by an American, really famous. And I said, I'm going to write a profile of that library. I'm going to sell it to a library magazine because I was trained as a librarian. And uh, I sat down and I said, well, how am I going to do this? I remember still like it was amazing that I finished the article and I sent it off and it was published, which was really a proud achievement for me. And then I said, well, if I could do it once, maybe I could do it again. And I, I found out it wasn't that easy. <laughs> I, you know, I was rejected hundreds of times, uh, you know, with magazine uh, ideas that I sent off to publications asking if they'd be interested in articles about them. You got to stick with it. People ask me, what do you need to be a writer? I said, you got to have perseverance above, above everything. You know, it's a craft. Uh, you may not be able to write like Hemingway uh, if you study the craft, but you should be able to write well enough to be a, a qualified as a professional writer. And to uh, and to be able to uh, maybe make a living at it. Well, you absolutely stuck with it. And that's another reason I'm so thrilled to have you here, because I want to talk about Henry Lewis Wallace, a.k.a. the Taco Bell Strangler. Now, just for our listeners, he killed 11 women between March 8, 1990 and March 8, 1994. He was a Navy veteran. He was known around the Seattle area. He had committed burglaries. He had been arrested in 1988 prior to the murders for breaking and entering where he got a couple of years of probation. He didn't make most of those meetings. Um, but again, he was on law enforcement's radar a little. An unusual thing about him, and Ron, if you could talk about this, he had social graces. He, he's really chilling and it, it really makes you question your your belief in humanity because to have a person like this walk around. Um, I talked to one of his classmates in um, high school and she was shocked to learn that uh, Henry um, uh, was a serial killer. You know, she said there was no indication uh, in high school. He was very popular. Uh, he was the only uh, cheerleader on the school team. Uh, he was a member of the 4-H club and uh, student council and uh you know uh, all these girls uh trusted him they really liked him you know they they, they uh, confided to him about their about their uh, boyfriends and uh, other things in their lives and then he'd go home to a com 
completely different experience. He, he, he grew up in a, in a shack, I mean, with no indoor plumbing at all. And they, he had to uh, carry the excrement out every day in, uh, in, in pails. Um, and uh, he had a really brutal mother who didn't have much success in life with the opposite sex. And she took out her frustrations on her children. And uh, he had a sister too, Yvonne, and she would beat him regularly. And if she was too tired to beat him, she'd get e uh, each of them to beat the other person on that. She paraded her son around in a, in a girl's outfit in, in the uh, neighborhood. It was a poor neighborhood. This is Barnwell, South Carolina, about 6,000 people, half of them black, half white. The neighborhood was, was, was kind of tough. Uh, he was sexually abused uh, by some of the older girls in the neighborhood on that. And uh, he, he really had developed this intense inner hatred of, of the opposite sex, you know, which eventually came out in the, the various murders that he committed. Now, when she would make him parade around in girls' dresses and beat him, did that go up until what age? Do you know? She stayed in his life until his, his 20s. When he went away to the military, he came back, he stayed with her. And she had this real hold over him on that. Um, uh, she really didn't like uh, the fact that he uh, was interested in the opposite sex. And she would check on his on his girlfriends. Uh, on that, uh, she, uh, there was one girlfriend he had in Charleston, which is a city um, a couple hours away from uh, Barnwell. She went to, to Charleston to to look up this girlfriend to tell her to stay away from her Henry on that sort of stuff. She, um, you know, had a hard life. Uh, she worked in a textile factory. Like I said, she just took her frustrations out on her on her children. It accumulated. I talked to a couple of psychologists that... Uh, that interviewed him, you know, and they said that uh, he had deep down inside him this visceral, deeply felt hatred of the opposite sex. So March 8th, 1990, he murders an 18-year-old high school student and dumps her body in a lake. Tashanda Bethea, he had a crush, he had sort of a fascination with her. You know, he wanted her to, to, to go for a ride with him, and she always refused him and all that. But, but one day, uh, she decided... Uh, that she would go and uh, go with them. And he took her out to the lake and um, put the make on her. And uh, she resisted. She made the mistake of, of saying that she was going to tell her parents. And uh, he panicked and he, um, he murdered her. He strangled her and uh, dumped her body there. And it should have been an easy murder to solve for the police, uh, incredibly, because they were onto him right from the beginning. You know, he was one of the last people to see him. And I interviewed a couple of the cops that were that they that uh, investigated the case, and they they said that uh, uh, they really suspected Henry, but uh, they never had any any evidence. He eventually uh, decided to, to to get out of Dodge, and he left uh, Barnwell. By that time, he was married, and his marriage was falling apart, and uh, he had broken into a radio station and the high school and stolen some stuff and was caught. And uh, so he realized that his stay in Barnwell was um, was pretty well over. So he decided to leave. And that's when he left uh, for my town here, Rock Hill. He actually spent about nine months here in my town and uh, uh, was accused of attempted rape of this woman. And again, he always, he always seemed to leave at the right time. But he left Rock Hill and went to Charlotte down the road. Charlotte's about 30, 30 minutes from my, my town. Started to get jobs in um, 
in uh, fast food restaurants. That's where the Taco Bell connection came from. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Well, before we get to November 1991, I, I just want to point out for everybody, because this always drives me crazy when I'm looking at a case file. With Shonda Bethea, the police actually questioned him. So they had a reason to go to him and, you know, question him about her murder. So again, I always tell people 90% of the time when you have a cold case, that killer's name is going to be in your case file. I promise you. They said they wanted to charge him, but they didn't have enough evidence to uh, keep him. He was really blessed in a lot of ways. You know, he, he in Charlotte, he had, well, I'll say it, incompetent police work on, on that. People just couldn't make the connections, you know. Most of the murders that he committed were in East Charlotte within a five-mile radius. Could you imagine that? No. Yeah, he killed, he killed like 10 women, and they couldn't, over a two-year period, as these murders are being committed, of uh, these um, young a uh, black, uh, relatively poor uh, woman, they never made the connection. They ne none of the cops made the connection. And he had connections with all of the people that he murdered. 
He knew them. It was believed that he was the first serial killer to know all of his victims, which is very abnormal for But I found out, I had somebody on my radio show told me about Jerry Marcus, and uh, he was um, a serial killer before, before Wallace, and uh, he knew all of his victims. Um, he murdered about seven, I think it was seven women on that. So he wasn't really the first, but he was one of the first that knew all of the women, and the police still couldn't make the uh, connection. But it's a little comp more complicated than that. Uh, the police were really understaffed at that time. Uh, Charlotte was changing. It was becoming a big, a big uh, commercial center, and the population was exploding. We're having a lot of people coming up from the north and all that. With that came crime, right? In 1993, it uh, was the biggest murder rate in the history of Charlotte. So I think something like 129 murders. And uh, at that time, they only had like seven police investigating felonies, right? And so you imagine... They each had like 12, 13 cases, pretty well overwhelmed. And uh, the city government refused to uh, uh, increase their resources, you know, technology and all that. So they were behind in technology, manpower, and uh, Wallace was able to slip through the cracks because of that. It's just mind-blowing. But, you know, then May of 92, he kills Chiron Nance. He beat her and then dumped her near some railroad tracks. So, again, you've got one thrown in a lake, one now with railroad tracks, so maybe law enforcement is not making the connection. And then June of 1992, he rapes and strangles Caroline Love, 20 years old, at her apartment, and then dumps her body in a wooded area. Yeah, th this is interesting. Uh, uh, Caroline Love uh, actually was uh, the roommate of his girlfriend, Sadie Knight, uh, McKnight. Oh, yeah, this is where it starts to get twisted, Ron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but this may be the only murder that he committed that had a, a, a real sexual component from the beginning. He admits that he was attracted to her. He saw her in shorts, and he was attracted on that. So it may have had a sexual uh, component. But, uh, yeah, he murdered her and uh, actually went with um, uh, Caroline's sister and Sadie McKnight, his girlfriend, to the police station to help them file a missing persons report. <laughs> now, I want to be sure everybody heard you. He goes with the victim's sister and his girlfriend to the police station to report her missing. Nobody thought anything of it. Even the next murder, you know, Shauna Hawk, I mean, the mother of Dee Sumter, who was mm -hmm. uh, a, a really a remarkable woman. Henry came up to her a couple of days after the murder and told her, I'm really sorry, Miss Sumter, about your daughter. I, I, you know, I can't imagine the loss and all that on that. And she put, put it out of her mind. She goes, no, oh, Henry, no, Henry's too sweet. Yeah. And he was her supervisor at Taco Bell. And listen, I want everybody to understand. I know legally she was a woman, but y'all, she was 20 years old. All of these, these young girl, ladies were, were uh, really good, good people. They were, they were ambitious. You know, they were going to school. They were working hard. You know, some of them had two jobs. Uh, they have he had big ambitions. Unfortunately, knew Henry Wallace, uh, who befriended them and eventually murdered them. Now his big problem was drugs. You know he had a he had a, a bad drug habit. Uh, he picked it up in the in the military. He picked up cocaine, and then um, the crack wave was sweeping the United States in the early '90s, and he got hooked on crack. So he needed money for his crack to support his crack habit, and. Uh, he started to murder some of the girls for that. You know, they were like uh, assistant manager at, at uh, one of the fast food places he worked. And he thought they, that they would know the, uh, uh, the combination to the safe. 
and all that. And um, he ended up, uh, you know, when he murdered some of them, he ended up selling their stuff. He put it in the car and, and sell it and all that. But like I said, you know, all of this was going on within a five mile radius. And, and a lot of the girls knew each other. You know, the victims knew each other. Sure. And, and they worked with each other. And still, there was no connection. The, poli the police did not talk to each other. That was part of their problem. They did not compare notes on their cases, you know. That's right. They were all in apartments. All were working at a fast food restaurant. Most were in college. And like Shauna Hawk, here's another little tidbit for y'all. He also went to her funeral. So now you've got him going to the police department on one victim. And now he's at the funeral of another victim. He was very careful. Uh, like I told you, he had about um, he he had average intelligence. His uh, his IQ was about average. You know, he uh, covered up his crimes. He knew he knew how to uh, how to cover up his crimes. You know, get rid of the fingerprints, uh, even bathe the bodies, and all that. He was very careful about uh, earlier in his crime spree about uh, covering up his 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 uh, murders, and he would go home. He would expect something on TV about some girl being murdered, right? That he had murdered, and he never saw anything on TV. You know, nobody was paying attention, and so that encouraged him more. And he might have actually got away with it if uh, he didn't have that drug habit, because as as um, as the murders progressed, uh, he got more careless because of his drug habit. And then his girlfriend eventually left him, which shook him up. She kicked him out because of his drug habit, and he was essentially homeless. He was living with friends and all that depending on crack, needed the money. Near the end of his murder spree, he ended up killing uh, two women in the same apartment complex. Yes. Which, you know, I mean, here, the police, is right in front of you, police. You know, so finally they, they caught on, made a few connections, and uh, were able to uh, identify him as, the, uh, as uh, the, the killer. And they went to arrest him March 12th, 1994. And uh, he was really strung out by then. And so when they took him in, he was willing to talk. And boy, did he talk. Uh, I saw the transcripts. The transcripts were amazing. Uh, he covered his whole life uh, in 10 hours. Later, his defense uh, team tried to uh, get, get the, uh, the interviews uh, expunged, but uh, they were allowed into as, as evidence in, in, in the case, helped contribute to his sentence, which was death. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. 
Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I want to tell everybody about a few more victims so they can see what you're saying as far as some of the similarities. So June 22nd, Audrey Spain is murdered. She's also a co-worker at Taco Bell. August 10th, 1993, he rapes and strangles Valencia Jumper, 21, a college student who is also his sister's friend. And here he sets her body on fire and attends her funeral. Then we go to September 14, 1993. Michelle Stinson, again, in an apartment, a friend of his from Taco Bell. He rapes her, stabs her in front of her oldest son. Now, an interesting thing, on February the 4th, he's arrested for shoplifting. So they have arrested him again. So they know about the burglaries. Now we've got shoplifting, and they're not putting two and six together. February the 20th, 1994, he strangles and rapes Vanessa Little Mac, 25, in her apartment. He knew her through her sister, who was a co-worker at Taco Bell. Now, this is the day that Ron was talking about a minute ago. March the 8th, 1994, Wallace robbed, raped, and strangled 24-year-old Betty Jean Bacham. The victim worked with Wallace's girlfriend at Bojangles, another fast food restaurant. Now, this time he took several valuables and her car and pawned them. On this day, he goes back to the exact same apartment complex and strangles a friend of his girlfriend, Brandy June Henderson, 18, while she held her baby attempted to strangle the baby as well. Right. And later he he uh, was watching the the news where they were talking about the murder with the cousin of Brandy. Isn't that amazing? And uh, he was talking about how bad it was that she was murdered. Well, you said a minute ago that he was lucky in a lot of stages of his crimes. Yeah, he was very lucky. Uh, like I said, the, the incompetence helped it too, but he, he was he was very lucky. Well, is it true that the FBI said that these murders were not connected? It was not a serial killer? Yeah, there, there was a real famous um, FBI profiler, a guy named Ressler, that said that. You know, he said if he was uh, if he was trying to be a serial killer, he'd, he's going about it the wrong way, whatever that meant <laughs> on that. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't attribute, because uh, they were stumped, and so they brought the FBI in, didn't and they said that, uh, you know, can you help us? And they, they looked at the case and they said no. If you're looking at just body disposal sites, I can see that. When did they connect 
the fast food restaurants? When was the Taco Bell connection made? Well, they sat down some of the victims uh, eventually and said, look, he said, who knew your sister or your daughter, whoever they, that, they, that they were a victim of? And uh, the only name that came up was uh, uh, Henry Wallace. You know, he was connected to, to, uh, to uh, all of them. And uh, that's when they started to focus their attention. When, when he murdered uh, uh, Bauckham, he, uh, he, he had the uh, ATM card. They had the, the uh, video of the ATM, but they didn't have a good picture of him. But he had an earring with a cross. And uh, later, you know, the, uh, they saw Henry when he brought him in, that he had the same cross. He didn't wipe uh, the trunk of the car that, that he had parked after he, uh, after he killed Bauckham. And uh, they got a palm print off that. And then they started to check on him and they found out that he had a criminal past. You know, he he was uh, arrested like during that time for trying to steal a $38 sweater from Eastland Mall, you know, which is a big mall there. They decided to uh, to to uh, bring him in. By then he was in really bad shape. They found him in a friend's house uh, hiding and uh, they brought him in. And like I said, he was willing to give everything up, blabbed away. Well, you know, it's also one of those things you... You tend to, from TV, always think this person's going to be a loner. They're going to be kind of creepy. And they, as soon as you see him, you'll know, oh, my gosh, that's got to be him. He's got to be the killer. But again, Wallace was friendly. He was a high school cheerleader. He was a manager at a fast food restaurant where he smiled and greeted people eight to ten hours a day. They even called him Uncle Henry. I mean, this was somebody that was sociable and very connected to the community. I mean, even his sister and girlfriend didn't suspect, and they both lost more than one person in this series of events. Uh, he had everybody fooled, and uh, and when when he came down, it was uh, shocking to a lot of uh, to a lot of people. And the trial lasted two years. It was the biggest uh, biggest trial in um, North Carolina history. Big murder, biggest murder trial in North Carolina history. It took about two years uh, for it to be resolved, and uh, he was. Uh, convicted of, uh, of uh, murder and rape, and there's a whole bunch of slew of charges sent to death. Although the, the, the defense were trying to get him off, you know, saying there was no deliberate intent in his motive, so he couldn't possibly be eligible for the death penalty. The average wait from the time of, of sentencing to the time of, um, of getting the, um, the chair was about eight years. So he should have been probably dead by 2005. And in 2005, he had his last appeal was denied. So all it took was a signature from the governor, right? And he would have been executed very quickly afterwards. Uh, but then, the, you know, the, the mood in the country changed about the death penalty, right? In the 1990s, when he was sentenced, uh, uh, more people were in favor of the death penalty, but it came out that a lot of people were being executed, were innocent, or there was questions about their, their sentencing or whatever. And so the, the tide turned. And so the governor of North Carolina put a moratorium on, de on the death sentence. So he's been languishing in central prison in Raleigh since 1997, 27 years almost. Well, y'all, here's the takeaway. Victimology, victimology, victimology. Somebody should have sat down with these families. And I mean, in the first three questions, where did she live? Where did she go to school? Where did she work? I mean, it's not, you don't have to talk long to get to where did she work. And when Taco Bell comes up more than once, and then Bojangles comes up more than once, the connection is right there. 
Ron, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you talking about this. And why don't you tell everybody about your project that's coming up? I also have a, a, a TV series that has come out um, on VIX, uh, which is the biggest uh, Spanish language um, streaming service in the world. The series is called Pereso Blanco, White Paradise, and it's uh, based on my book, Crazy Charlie. And it's a 30-part series. And uh, I've seen the, the first season. There's going to be two seasons. Uh, I've seen the first 15, and I'm very pleased with it. So that's that's another project that came out. And I'm working on a book now um, about a Dallas uh, oil man, which um, is going to be interesting. And uh, I got several other, other things in the works. Uh, I'm a screenwriter as well. I've got several my screenplays have an option uh, for movies, and I'm hoping that uh, some of them click pretty soon. Well, we're going to be looking for all of them. And Ron, I, again, cannot thank you enough for being with us and talking to us about the Taco Bell Strangler. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And I'm going to end Zone 7 the way that I always do with a quote. There's a pattern in every crime, something that gives the police an edge on the criminal's weakness. And we know he has a weakness or he wouldn't be a criminal. Helen Nielsen. I'm Cheryl McCollum, and this is Zone 7. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.